Hello and welcome to the NFL Abroad podcast. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look back at the week six games and the key points of what happened yesterday in the Sunday games. Uh, and there was quite a few shocks this week, weren't there, Thomas? Uh, I think the first one we'll get into is the Eagles versus the Jets. Well, what was probably the upset of the week? Yeah, there certainly were some upsets, weren't they, uh, Callum? I think if we're starting off with that Eagles game, probably the upset of the week. Um, I'll give you an interesting fact. This is the first time the Jets have beaten the Eagles in their franchise history. And that dates back to 1973. Wow. So, you know, I saw that comment earlier um, on, or a tweet or something like that. That's where I got that from. Um, and so credit to that guy, whoever that was. But yeah, <laughs> the first time the Jets what, have ever be- beaten the Eagles. You mean you didn't know that fact off the top of your head? I mean, yeah, I did know that fact off the top of my head. That's why I'm just giving it you. Like. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what what an upset it was. I mean, Zach Wilson setting setting, setting records for that industry industry franchise uh, history now. Um, but I mean, was it was it the Jets beating the Eagles or were the Eagles beating themselves? Do you think? Well, I don't. I don't think it was. The, I don't think it was the Jets beating the Eagles. I probably have to say the Eagles beat the Eagles, and in particular. Jalen Hurts beat the Eagles. Um, what was it? Three turnovers and a, and a forced fumble in the game, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Three three interceptions. I mean, one you could argue wasn't his fault. It sort of came out of the receiver's hands. But the other two, yeah, certainly were his fault. And uh, yeah, yeah, and another, another fumble recovered by the Jets. So it was turnovers, turnovers, turnovers for the Eagles last night. And I mean, shout out to that Jets defense, to be fair. You've got to give them props because they proved once, once again they were one of the top five defenses in the league. And where would they be now if uh, if Aaron Rodgers hadn't gone down injured? I don't I don't know. That scares me. To be fair, I think they'd be well in contention for a playoff spot. That's for sure. And you know what, Zach Wilson is improving. To be fair, he's, he's had a good win against the Bills, unlucky against the Chiefs, arguably, and then a massive win against the Eagles. So you know, where where do the Jets go from here? I'm not sure what the schedule looks like. Whether it gets any easier or not, but you know, we sort of wrote the Jets off a couple of weeks ago, and now they they're proving us wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think they're back to the three and three on the season, aren't they? Um, and like you said, they've had a very tough schedule so far. And obviously, we know they're in that they're in that very difficult division as well. They're going to play the Bills again and either the Dolphins once or twice again. So, you know, they are, but to be three and three at this point in the season with Zach Wilson, who everyone had wrote off when he when he stepped up for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, fair play to Robert Rob Salah and uh, and that defense because they're actually pulling pulling wins from somewhere. And you know, come come like January February, they might still be in play of contention. Um, for a wildcard spot, and could Aaron Rodgers return? Could he make that miraculous return from injury and well, take the I mean, get through the playoffs? We've we've seen him on the cameras on the field without any crutches, nothing, no protection on on that injury. So I don't know if that's just for the cameras or not. But let me just talk a little bit more about Jalen Hurts. I mean, interestingly, he's thrown seven interceptions this season, and that is more than he threw through the whole of last season. He's got seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, so he's he's already broken. His, his interception record from last season, and we're only, we're only on what week six, week seven. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't I can't believe that's happened to be honest. Because like like we've said, he's probably in a top two, three um, team in the in the entire league. He's not like they're lacking any weapons. I mean, AJ Brown had another huge game. I don't believe he seemed to be following up left, right, and centre. So I was amazed with just how little points he scored. Um, but it was just turnovers from Jalen Hurts, like you say. And I'm not sure what's going wrong with him to be honest. It's like some of the especially the end zone uh, interception he's, he's thrown throughout the season. It's like I can't understand what's going on with him. He's, it's almost he's got, he's got a bit complacent if, in a way. Yeah, I'm not sure if his if his confidence has gone gone or what. But I mean, I'm surprised it's not come sooner. This loss. Um, I know they have had trouble with turnovers for the season, um, but before the Jets game, they'd actually not conceded off a turnover. So really, he's been getting a little bit lucky 
And then yeah. coming to this Jets game when they turn the ball over on more than one occasion, I mean, I think we did say last week, if it happened once or twice, then they might still win the game. But when you're doing it three, four times, then you're asking to lose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, so, so what do you see the Eagles going from here? Do you think it's just a one-off loss to the Jets or do you think there's a bigger, bigger, bigger problem at Frontier? Do you know what? I think the only issue is Jalen Hurts currently. I don't want to, you know, sort of drill drill down on him too much, but that genuinely is the the only issue on on this Eagles team for me at the moment. We we said that last week, and that's probably what took him or, or will take him out the MVP question for me personally. I, it's just turnovers. I, I'm not sure what they've got to do to try and prevent this from happening in the future. Some obviously need a bit of, bit of coaching, a bit of training, try and get him back on track to what he was like last season, and then. You know, see what happens in these next next couple of games. But take it one game at a time, and yeah, interceptions and, and turnovers—they've got to cut that out of the game massively. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, they don't have the easiest schedule as well. Obviously, they've still got the Cowboys to play twice throughout the, this year. And does I mean, this that's loss, an easy you know, game, to be fair, <laughs> but does, does this loss allow the Cowboys back into contention for that number one uh, spot in the in the East? Uh, I certainly think it does, to be fair. I mean, they've got the Chargers coming up tonight. would be interesting to see what happens in that game. That's not an easy game by any means. So, you know, if the Cowboys are looking at trying to get that sort of first or second seed by winning that division, then they're looking at this Chargers game tonight, who are not in brilliant form. Um, and they're looking at this game. And they've, I mean, it's a must-win. Not not that every game is a must-win, but even now that the Eagles have dropped a game, you know, the Cowboys have yeah. got to win this game, this game against the Chargers. Yeah, I completely agree. That's got to fire them up, certainly, to go out there and make a statement tonight. And I think they will, to be honest, having seen this this game. You know, they can't get complacent. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You've got to go out and do the job. And I think the Cowboys will come out firing. But I do just want to tell you about this Eagles schedule coming up that they've got. They've got the Eagles next week, then the Commanders, which is, you know, probably the, a little bit of a rest for them. Then the Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. And that's the Eagles so, schedule, did you say? That, that's the Eagles schedule, yeah. So other than the commanders, everyone else is on a very, very positive record, you could say. Um, yeah, that, that is a rough old schedule, to be fair. It's probably <laughs> up there for one of the, one of the worst uh, remaining schedules yeah. left. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, seven out of the, eight, seven out of the next eight games are all um, on, on winning schedules and uh, winning records. And not only just winning records. I mean, you've got the Dolphins who are, <laughs> we've seen, you know, take over games and dominate. The Chiefs who are five and one. The 49ers were five and one. The Bills were four and two. The Seahawks were four and one. It's like this. This Eagles team has really got to step up now, and they need to sort of learn from the, the mistakes yesterday and make sure they don't replicate it because these other teams will punish them even worse than the Jets did last night. Yeah, I think they've they've kind of been humbled in a way, and do you know what? Nobody, well, especially you. You don't like the Eagles. I don't mind them as much, but <laughs> I guess you love to see it, don't you? Oh, I do. It's, I mean, the 49ers and the, and, the, and the Eagles losing in the same night. I mean, that's like Christmas for the Cowboys fans. Uh, I mean, but, you know, you don't want to get too too hung up on that. That's like small franchise mentality. You want to actually be focusing on yourself and just beating them every time you play them. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get on to the 49ers. We'll, we will get on to the 49ers. Yeah, in fact, let's let's move over to them, them now. Uh, obviously, they both these teams were both um, 5-0 and coming into this week and were both upset. I mean, the Browns, you know, probably more respected than the Jets coming into this one, but no one expected the Jets, the Browns to win with a, a backup quarterback in, in play as well. But again, it was a, a case of the defence uh, on both sides. You know, that Browns defence took over. Um, I know, you know, the 49ers were hampered by injuries badly as well, to be honest, but the Browns did enough and, and beat the 49ers in the end. I mean, yeah, I think that Browns defence has certainly 
cemented itself at the best in the NFL if it hasn't already. Um, another a couple of interceptions, another forced fumble. We've not seen many teams or, or any team really put that sort of pressure on the Niners this year, and <laughs> the Browns are the first team to do it. And look what happens—they managed to uh, manage to get the victory. Yeah, I mean that was Brock Purdy's first interception of the season so far, like you say, and um, it's just it wasn't just that he was just disrupted all night. He was always under pressure, you know. Um, it, it was a it was a dirty game in a way as well. Like the, the Browns came to make it physical and upset the 49ers. That's exactly what happened. We saw McCaffrey leave the game with injury. We saw um, Debo Samuel leave the game with injury. Uh, I think Trent Williams might have left for a period of time as well. Um, but I mean uh, that's all play actually where Garrett uh, Miles Garrett just manhandled Trent Williams like as a child. Um, this Browns defense is physical, and they come to play, and they come to win, and that's exactly what they did. They took over the game, and um, and did enough, you know, just to, just let the offense just get by. You know what I mean? Well, I mean it, it's weird because we saw something similar, or, or you know, we should have saw something similar against against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. But they had they had Dorian Thompson Robinson instead of PJ Walker, and they lost the game twenty seven three. This is another game where the defense has gone absolutely massive and massive, and the offense is. Has managed to do enough to get the job done. Um, Kareem Hunt, he's he's back in the lineup. He's finally scored his touchdown. He combined seventy-one yards. Amari Cooper, another big game. I mean, he's massively underrated for me. And would, I don't know if you would you agree with that that he's still massively underrated. Oh, more than probably the most underrated receiver in the league. I think the Cowboys should have never ever got rid of him. He's a big time player, and um, you know he done the business again last night. One hundred and eight yards. I mean, he just he just never seems to fail, does he? No, um, it, do you know what? He's so consistent. He, he always seems to be hitting that sort of hundred plus yard games, and he never really gets the credit that you sort of AJ Browns do, for example. He's, you know, he, he's still hitting good yardage, but he doesn't sort of. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get the recognition, in my opinion. No, he certainly doesn't. Um, I'm I looking at these stats now. I just can't actually believe that the Browns have won this one. I mean, Philip Walker, the quarterback, who played with them last night. 18-34, no touchdowns, two interceptions. They didn't really have a big run game either. And then, yeah, like we just said, Amari Cooper had a big game, but other than that, there was no one really who, who lights up the lights up the stat sheet, and it just goes to show it's all in the defense for this Browns team at the minute. And now we're gonna have to rely on that going forward until um, Deshaun Watson returns. I think. Yeah, I mean that that's a scary thought. To be fair, when Deshaun Watson returns, they've certainly got to be looking at the playoffs. I mean, this is probably the best that the Browns have looked since since I came into the league and started watching them. I think when I yeah. first came into the league, they were looking at what was it, not and sixteen, and look at this turnaround. Yeah. That's why we love the NFL because. It's just constant surprises and upsets. We, we, nobody expected the Browns with a backup quarterback to beat this Niners team, and they've gone and done it. Yeah, I know. I mean, again, the Browns organization have been a meme, a joke of a, of a team um, for the last, well, since I watched, started watching as well in 2016. And all of a sudden now, all the pieces are finally seem to be coming together, and they're a true um, force to be reckoned with in the NFL. And you can't really spot a weakness on that team, which is quite a scary thought as well, you know. They've got a decent receiver, decent uh, running back in Kareem Hunt now. And um, obviously once Sean Watson comes back, we know how good he can be at his peak. And then, I mean, even looking further forward into the future as well, next season when Nick Chubb comes back, you know, they, they are still missing big players and they're still getting yeah. by all right currently. Um, I will just touch on that, that defence a little bit more. I mean, Miles Garrett extended to five and a half sacks on the season. He managed another forced fumble. Uh, Martin Emerson, he was the first player to pick off uh, Brock Purdy, as you said, uh, that, that's his first interception this year, and then this guy called Grant Delpit. I mean, I've never heard of him, so I can't say I can't say too much. He leads the tackles and assists for the Browns, and I know they've played a game less than everybody else, but he's currently sat 127th overall for the for the most tackles and assists by a single Browns player. 
So what does that tell me? That tells me that the, the tackles are coming in all over that Browns defense. It's not just one guy going huge. It's it's the load is yeah. just shared between everyone. It's everybody, you know, putting in and sort of like grinding and gritting away. And it, it's like a massive team effort to try and to try and get wins. And that's exactly what they did against the Niners. It, I mean, what a win! <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when you watch them, like you just said, that you watch the defense, and as soon as the ball's in the air, every player just flies to the ball. They're all like working for each other. All they're all playing a part in how good this defense is. It's not one or two big players. It's everyone collectively as a team, just surrounding the ball, not on it, not allowing anything. And uh, it's an honour to watch. Honestly, they are, in my opinion, definitely the best in the league at the minute. Um, and you know, the, I, I think they could be in for a deep playoff run here. If everyone stays healthy on this Browns team and they get the couple of weapons back that they're missing, they could certainly, you know, top their division and go into the playoffs with confidence. Now they beat the Forty Nineers. I mean, they've certainly got to take a lot of confidence and motivation out of that 49ers game. If they could beat the Niners, they could beat anyone, surely. Um, I mean, I've got yeah, Niners exactly. best team in the league currently. Um, so, yeah, deep playoff run, potentially. Who knows how far they could go yeah, I mean, get I... some players back. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I still have the 49ers as the best team in the league right now. I mean, I don't think there's too much to be concerned with with the 49ers. I mean, we saw people, players leaving with injury, which, you know, you can probably put down a lot of the lost two. Um and obviously the fans will be hoping that there's nothing too serious with those injuries. Um, and I think Brock Purdy will learn from this. I think, you know, he sort of needed this humbling game in the regular season and he'll come back, learn from it. And then obviously as a, as a season progresses, he'll certainly improve and become more wary of these these sort of defences and uh, into the playoffs. This will be a game he looks back at and thinks, right, I need to learn from my mistakes like that day. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, it happened. I mean, it's a good thing, really, that it happened in the regular season, not in the postseason, because there's no coming back if you lose one of those games. Um, another interesting fact is that the Niners, they'd actually won 15 uh, regular season games in a row. Um, so the Browns have ripped away those, making it 16 to make a new record. And the record is tied with the 89 season when the other likes of Joe Montana. So. This Niners team, it's phenomenal to be fair, and I mean, what achievement it is this that the, the, the Browns have beat them. I think it, it's time that we that we talk about Christian McCaffrey, though, don't you think, Colin? Yeah, I mean that guy, he's got to be on. For, he's got to be one of the favourites of the MVP candidates because, well, as long as his injury is not too severe and he does not miss too much time, I mean, who is who in the league is more, you know, more valuable to a team than Christian McCaffrey is? I mean, the guy is just an absolute joke of a man. Um, again, another touchdown last night. Is that 15 in a row? 15 games I mean, in a row, did you say? So so he scored 15 straight touchdowns in a row and the team's won 15 games in a row. Does that not tell you everything that you need to know about Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And I mean, I remember when he got traded originally and people were saying that the sort of 49ers overpaid for him a little bit, but he's proved everything and more that he is worth that amount. And no, um, he continues to deliver. It's well, just, it's like... Oh, it's silly in the passing and, and the running game. He's just taking yeah, over. That's it. He's got everything, hasn't he? I mean, just where can he not? What can he not do? What can this man not do? So, so he's. And I think that's what puts him in, in the conversation. Well, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, in the conversation yeah. for MVP. Well, let's just get back onto that point that he scored 15 in a row. He's now tied with Hall of Famers John Riggins and OJ Simpson. And the Hall of Famers. These guys are no mugs. These are these guys are serious, serious <laughs> players in the days. I mean, obviously, we never, yeah. never got, you know, we never saw them, but. You know they're up there. They've got the records, and now he's tied for for the record. So I think if he's if he's available for the next game, I'm not sure they play. I, I feel like it's the Colts. Uh, Vikings, I think. Let me just let me just check that one. Yeah, like you say, if he continues this this sort of form, he's going to go down as one of the greats, and especially if you can take them 
to a Super Bowl this year like like we're thinking they're going to do, then obviously that as soon as you start winning, winning the big one, that's when you start cementing yourself in the legacy books for for the organization. You'll probably remembered along the lines of Joe Montana and the other 49ers legends. Absolutely, certainly got to be up there. I've just checked the uh, schedule for the Niners. And you're right, it is the Vikings, and they've got one of the worst defense in the league. So you'd expect him to score another touchdown <laughs> if he's fit and available for this game, which I hope he is, because he's just one of them players that you just can't hate. You just love to watch him and everything that he's doing in the NFL. It's as NFL fans, it's such a good watch. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate, I hate the Forty Niners, especially George Kittle after last last week. Um, but I mean, you don't, you never want to see the players go down injured, especially the the best players like your McCaffrey's and uh, and you saw Debo Samuel's. You, you just enjoy, you got to watch and just enjoy watching them like you have done with the Chiefs the past few years. I mean, it's just one of those organizations again where it's a joy to watch. Really, um, I mean, let me just mention, let me just talk about George Kittle quickly. He was massively humble this week. Um, I don't. I barely think he had a sniff of the ball. To be fair, he might have had one reception. So he's giving it all large after yeah. beating a, a small team like Dallas Cowboys, and then they go and beat the Browns. So uh, sorry, they go and lose to the Browns, and he barely has a touch. So yeah, get humbled. Yeah, yeah. One, one catch for one yard, and I can't believe they didn't even go, go to him in the fourth quarter on that on that drive as they marched down the field. I thought they might turn to him and you know ask a big player, your pro pro ball tight end, but he never got the opportunity. And in the end, it come down to a kicker. Uh, a rookie kicker to to try and win the game for you, and he missed okay. in the dying seconds. So yeah. he, he was one for three in the game, missed the game winning um, game winning field goal, and that might you know haunt him for the rest of the season. Really, we, we've seen this type of thing happen before, where it stays in the kicker's minds and they sort of lose confidence and they just start missing and missing and missing. So uh, I mean, that could be a potential problem for the Forty ers as the season goes on. Yeah, are they going to want to rely on him? You know, when they get to that sort of fourth downs and it, is it worth just going for the touchdown or not um, obviously Jake Moody missed a couple against the Browns and there are probably a lot of 49ers fans there are probably a lot of Moody 49ers fans after uh, after seeing that <laughs> yeah well obviously they let the uh, Robbie Gold go in the off season he was wanting too much money I think and they had to pay all the other big players so they sort of started again with this rookie they must have rated highly to even draft him and, and obviously not come up in a big moment when he actually mattered so I think I think it'll certainly be a a concern for for the Forty ers but you know we've just seen this team beat beat other teams by seven, fourteen, you know, double digit amounts. So it probably won't come back to the forefront again until we see another close game for the Forty ers which might not be until they play the Eagles or the Cowboys or whoever they play in the playoffs. So I think it's certainly just needs to get into certainly a something to watch really. out for. I think he just needs to get into a position really where he's just kicking field goals when it when it's meaningless. You know, if it's three points from, from a chip shot, for example, just to build that confidence back up. And then when the big pressure situation does come, that in his own mind is ready to ready to go and hopefully kicks, well, I mean, not not, not hopefully for us, but for 49ers fans, hopefully kicks it through and walks off with a, a field goal win. Yeah. Well, so we saw these two teams get upset, two 5-0 teams, and I thought we were going to see three on the day when um, we saw the Buffalo Bills almost so nearly got beat by the uh, New York Giants on Sunday night football, literally the last play of the game, it come down to, and the Giants choked on the goal line. What, what did you think to that, minute? Well, unfortunately, I didn't catch the game live, so I've had to watch this one on the highlights, but even that got me sat up in my chair. When I thought it was one of the dullest, boring games ever, all of a sudden, the Giants have got a chance to win it in the in the last last second. I think there were zero, zero seconds left on the clock when they had a chance, and... Tyrod Taylor threw the ball to yeah. Darren Waller and it ends up going straight through his hands. I was like, oh my God, this Giants team, 
if they, I don't know this Giants team, they're just creating themselves. They're, uh, sorry, if this Giants <laughs> team are creating themselves their own problems um, after yeah. what we saw just before the half, I don't know if you want to just touch on that. Yeah, well, they could have obviously kicked the three points at the half, to, which obviously, in hindsight, would have won them the game. Um, and obviously, they, they chose to go for it. They tried to go for a run with um, Saquon Barkley with no timeouts left, and then they sort of run out of time and they couldn't get the ball um, spotted in time. And then, yeah. You look back at it after the game. You think, right, that's the point in the game where we've actually lost it for ourselves. We didn't kick the, we didn't kick the field goal. And also, why would you run it anyway? You know, if you if you go for a throw, at least you've got another shot. You're not just relying on one play. I mean, um, that's, but that's it just bad shows it. That. That's bad coaching. They did play calling. I don't know why they're putting so much back into Saquon Barkley when he's only just come back into the lineup. Just take the field goal, yeah. worst case scenario, or at least have a shot at the end zone. You've got 14 seconds, potentially what, two, maybe even three players, depending on how much time. Yeah, you I take. just don't think. Yeah, I think it just come down to trust. They didn't trust Tyrod Taylor to protect the ball. I don't think in that position. But in which case, get just kick, kick the field goal or something. I don't. There's so much more they could have done with that one play. And again, at the end of the game, it's a very, very poor play call in my opinion. Just to throw that jump ball up in a fifty-fifty to Darren Waller, who, by the way, I do think was quite unlucky not to have a PI call on that play. Um, and I think maybe if it was Travis Kelsey, and the, Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, they might have got a PI call on that one. Was that on uh, the no, on, on the last play for Waller? Because he'd actually got a defensive PI call moments before, didn't he? Yes, he got the he got the first one, and I thought the last one, he you know, he's getting hauled, he's getting his jersey pulled. And I thought he was quite unlucky not to have a PI call. And maybe the previous call did come into it. You know, they didn't want to throw two flags I straight after each other. I don't know. I I think that's um, definitely, so I, definitely why. Because I think, I think, I mean, yeah, I I think mean, it was unfortunate. Wait, they've, so they've thrown the PI flag, the defensive PI flag. They've got another chance with zero seconds left on the clock, and then there's another PI shout. I just, I don't know. I can't yeah. see him throwing another flag, regardless of whether it was clear and obvious or not. Especially the Giants. I mean, they're, yeah, only, exactly, they're but... not doing too well. Are they so fit? Maybe they favour the Bills in that scenario. I'll have to go and yeah, watch that one back I... and just, you know, confirm that in my own mind. I suppose. Yeah, but even still, I just don't think it was a great play call from the Giants in that situation. You know, you're throwing a fifty-fifty ball. And you know you've got one play to win the game. You go through your playbook and write which play do we tr- trust the most. And surely Scott, it wasn't that one. You know you've got Tyrod Taylor who can move with his legs as well. Um, there's just so many more options he could have gone for. But you know he, he's literally relying on a 50-50 jump ball pass to win the game. And uh, yeah. well, clearly it didn't work. So again, poor coaching, I believe, for, for the Giants in that situation. Um, I will, but I will say, say though, I think yeah, you go, go you go. Right, I will say no, though, go. from what we saw with Tyrod Taylor, I think he looked better than Daniel Jones. This was my exact point, which I was about to say then. So That's carry crazy. On. <laughs> Are we thinking on the same wavelength already? <laughs> but yeah, yeah go for I mean, it. yeah, from what we saw with Tyrod Taylor, I mean, he's not thrown an interception. I mean, that's a good start. Um, in terms of holding the ball and stuff like that, I, I don't think he would hold like overly holding the ball. I thought he got it out quite well. Um, just, just a general better performance for his first, first game back in against his old team. Bills, you know, they've got a good defence. I know they've got a few injuries, to be fair, but I'd, I'd consider starting him for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's never been an awful, awful quarterback, I don't think. He's been one of those guys where you can put them in and trust that they're not going to do anything terrible. That's pretty much what he showed last night. It's just how the organisations want the next big star that can sort of take your Super Bowls and whatever and they take risks on other players, a bit like they've done on Daniel Jones, and obviously that's not going to work out, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, you know, Tyrell Taylor's never been a poor quarterback, really. And he showed that just last night. He did enough for them to win. Well, sorry, almost win the game in the end. Um, but yeah, just come up short. But again, it's talked about three games now. And it was three defensive battles completely all game. Um, I mean, the Bills didn't score a 
disappointing until the fourth quarter. That just shows how good that, yeah, that mean, Giants that, even that was playing. Definitely a shock. I couldn't believe that when I when I seen the uh, when I saw the highlights earlier. I was like, oh, the Bills haven't scored in three quarters against possibly one of the poorest <laughs> teams, if not the poorest team in the NFL. So, what do you think? Know, do you I think mean, the Giants Bobby... defense stepped up, or do you think the Bills uh, offense just didn't turn up? To be honest, I think it was a bit of both. To be honest, obviously we saw um, Gary Davis. He he fumbled the ball that was recovered. Well, forced fumble by Bobby. Okareki, I think his name is. He had a huge game, to be fair. He forced that fumble and then picked off um, Josh Allen as well. So, obviously, he had a big game for the defence, but I do think, obviously, part of it does come down to the offence. Maybe they sort of look past the Giants, I guess, um, and they just didn't get firing for, for, for three quarters. And, obviously, the fourth quarter, they, they turned up and Stefan Diggs had a decent game. He had 100 yards. Um, and, again, they just did enough. But I think it was a bit of both, to be nice. A poor offence from the Bills and... Um, you know the Giants. The Giants' defense is no joke, to be honest. I mean, they've been, I think, performing below their actual level for the majority of the season. But I think last night they showed just how good they can be, and um, that's something they're going to have to build on. You know, this season's a write-off already, but I mean, sort of build on that defense going into next season and uh, try and get some off we- uh, weapons on offense, and then you might have a decent team around you. It certainly is, yeah. And you know, they, they might have a good draft pick. Obviously, they're only sat one and four in the season. I don't really see where the wins are going to be coming from. So, it'd be an interesting draft for the Giants. Um, I mean, what do they take? Do they do they look second new quarterback or do they explore other options? I, I mean, for me personally, I think they've got to look at quarterback. Um, and, you know, they probably won't finish poor enough to get the number one pick. But, you know, there's other good quarterbacks in this draft. Drake May, I know he's projected to go high. So, I'm sure they'll be assessing their options throughout the season. And... Uh, I just don't see the Daniel Jones project working, despite the fact they paid them. I think they'd rather move on early, and um, and look at you know the future. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen with Tyrod Taylor, in hindsight, I wouldn't have paid the Daniel Jones contract. I'd have probably played Tyrod Taylor for the season. Who knows what's going to happen? It could have been a better season. It could have been worse. But you'd have certainly saved a lot of money and set yourself up for the draft next year. I don't imagine the Giants fans would agree with that, but well, they might do. Actually, seven weeks in, they might do. Before the season started, they yeah. probably wouldn't have agreed with it. But, yeah, it feels bad to be a Giants fan, I imagine, right now. Yeah, I reckon it does as well. But I guess that can be said for a lot of organisations. Um, but one that's not that is probably Buffalo. You know, they've they've come out of a tough game with a win. That takes them to 4-2 on the season, I believe. So, you know, there's only positive to look at in that in that regard. But they did have a major, a major negative. We saw an awful neck injury for Damian Harris. He was down on the field for a long time. He got carted off the field um, in a sort of similar scenario to um, Demar Hamlin last year. The same, the same, uh, what do you call it? First and last name initials as well. Um, but yeah, he was down on the field for a long time. He got straight straight into the ambulance into the hospital. So obviously, we hope he's okay. Um, but yeah, other than other than that, it was it was positive night in the end for Buffalo, and they'll have to carry this sort of momentum into the, in the into the coming games. Yeah, they certainly will. It was that bounce-back win that they sort of needed. It weren't pretty. Maybe still a bit slow and lethargic from travelling back from London. They, I mean, they looked similar against the Jags, to be fair. So, definitely a bounce-back win that they needed and they got it done. So, they march on to next week. Yeah, and obviously I will just point out, obviously I've just mentioned that, that injury there to uh, Damien Harris, but can you, I couldn't believe myself how many injuries there were yesterday. It just feels like it was one after the after the, after the other. What, what do you think is going on in the NFL? Is there an injury I, problem? I don't know. I don't know if it's because we're looking at more teams nowadays than, than just the teams that we sort of 
really followed, but the the injuries seem it's just adding up, adding up. It seems ridiculous. I mean, within the past week, we've had what Justin Jefferson, we've had Tyreek Hill, we've had Christy McCaffrey, uh, Debo. The, the 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 list probably goes on, and I, I mean, we probably don't even know half of the injuries. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we I just it was like every game on red zone popping up, and there's a big name going out injured. Like you said, you've just mentioned McCaffrey, Debo, Samuel, Justin Fields left and didn't return. Yeah, Trevor Christy Lawrence Fields suffered an injury. Yeah. Uh, Tana I, Hill, I don't Garoppolo. really know what's going on this season. I don't know if it's a turf or... I genuinely don't know what it is. is it, are they asking too much from them? or is it, is it just the fact that we're following more teams or every single team in the NFL now, we're noticing it more? Well, I, just, I think these injuries have always been here, but I, I don't know. It's But this season, this season does seem to be more severe than others. And this is, this is obviously, we're just talking right now about this week's injuries. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, just how many there is. It feels like a full season's worth, but... Obviously, you look at the Bills as well. They've got countless injuries. Trevon digs out for the season. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think you are right with the turf. I think that certainly needs to be addressed next season. Um, but we know it probably won't change because the, the players have been calling for this change for a long, long time. And they're still not yet to take it seriously. Well, I don't know. It's getting to a point now where we've got serious big NFL players that are picking up these season-ending injuries, you know. We've got Tredavious White, he's another one. Matt Milano, it sounds like he's out for the season. That's another couple of Buffalo Bills. I think that was, that's probably, that's that's within the last two weeks, not just this week. So, I mean, we could go back through all the weeks and we could probably name even more, but... <laughs> well, we'd be here all night. Well, genuinely, yeah. And, uh, um, well, we've so, got so football soon, the so, players... so we haven't got all night, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, but how do the players sort of um, drive this change? Is it a case of... Um... Refusing to play unless you know something gets gets done. I'm not sure what sort of they can, what they can do to go about this and take it to the next level and you know really get into Roger Goodell and be like, look, this has got to change. Well, I guess it's not Goodell; it's mainly the the owners. But Goodell could maybe put rules in place that they, they, you know they want to play on grass fields. Yeah, I'm not obviously a players. The players are a big part of it, but the, the franchises themselves they've got the, the, you know they've got a responsibility to put to protect those players and currently. They don't seem well protected at all with, with the amount of injuries that we've just talked about. So something's got to change, but that's all the franchises sort of doing something together and trying to enforce a change within the NFL. Then, you know, if that's going to benefit the players going forward and protecting them more, then I can't see why that's a bad change and why it wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's just all money for the owners, I think. But I mean, surely to God they've got enough money to just put a bit of grass down. You know, when they're paying sort of your quarterback 40, 50 million pounds a year, I'm sure a bit of grass isn't isn't going to break the bank, but despite all this money, they're still they're still tight with the money. They still want to protect it, and that's really the driving force for for these owners, unfortunately. Know, and until something it, I think is put in place by the by the commissioner, then nothing will change. In terms of fans, you're looking at your your best players, and the fans want to see the best players play. They'd, if the best players are not playing, is that going to drive them away from from going to the game? For example, I'm not sure. Well, it's, yeah, the, the problem is there's that many players wanting to play the NFL. There'll always be someone to fill that gap oh, and yeah, be that next point. superstar, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that, that that's where they're losing out, really. Especially like you look at the running back scenario where they're getting underpaid and that the owners don't want to pay them because they know there's always a next man or the next superstar who is going to cost you less money, and um, you know there's definitely there's definitely reasons for for change in the NFL with the turf and running back contracts and stuff, and I think that's got to be addressed in the, in the coming years, but. I mean, we're not going to change that, so I don't know why we're talking about it. But you know, it is. <laughs> well, we talk about we'll talk about anything and everything to do with NFL on this podcast. We do, and coming this Thursday is the Week Seven preview. 
Uh, we'll be diving into every game, offering our insights and predicting the games just for your pure enjoyment and because you've got nothing better to do. Um, but that's it for this episode. We've covered the three main games we wanted to cover. We also the Lions lads. beat the Bucks. Thursday night football Thursday. this week. Come on. Sorry for interrupting. Who is it? Oh, yeah, Saints versus... Saints. Um, oh, we're going to beat the Jags. I would probably disagree with that, but you have to come back on Thursday from our podcast to find out who I'm taking in that game. But with that being said, thanks for watching and we hope you enjoyed. Thank you for watching this episode of the NFL Abroad podcast. If you have enjoyed, then please feel free to like and follow for more. New episodes are released every Thursday.